Before Steve shares with you this scripture, I just want to let you know that it's a parable that comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Parables, as Jesus used them, were stories in answer to questions. They were a way in which he tried to get a singular point to people by telling them the story. So as you listen to it, you're going to hear a lot of things happen in this story, and then he, at the end, makes his concluding point. Powerful message. Quite frankly, surprised and shocked those who first heard it. It may do the same for you. Listen to what God has to say. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idly all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. beginning a four-week series on this idea of connection. 
As we do so, we're going to be spending time talking about what is the most important part of what Jesus always intended the church to be involved in, what the church was really considered to be as its primary task, that's to connect with each other and connect all of us into a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that you'll be blessed in these next four weeks and that you will be drawn closer into your walk with Christ and discover connections in this faith family in ways that will have lasting impact upon you. In the bulletin, you'll find a page that has the sermon notes on it, and we're going to invite you to turn there now, if you would, and and as you're interested in doing so, make notations. It tells you a little bit about the series and upcoming Sundays and scriptures and message titles, but right here underneath, it gives you a place to write down, and if anything sparks in you today, in the message or in song or Whatever it is, it might be a part of your devotional life and reflection life in the week ahead. We invite you to use that at that time. Would you join with me now in a word of prayer? Gracious, loving God, we ask you to bless us and, and more importantly, bless others through us. And let this hour be an opportunity for us to be fed, strengthened, forgiven, rebuilt, and shipped out. Change the world in your name and for your sake. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin first by simply saying to you that you are an amazing church, and that's just a fact, um, in just so many ways, and that could take the rest of the day for me to tell you how. But I want to share with you that this past week, nine of us on the program staff were out in Kansas City at attending Church of the Resurrection's leadership days. It's the largest United Methodist church in the country. They'll be worshiping about 11,000 there today. Um, you didn't even know we were gone, did you? Didn't even miss us. Well, we were. We snuck out of town. And, uh, and I want to tell you, this past spring, I went to the Staff Parish Relations Committee of the church uh, that's a committee responsible for making sure that the, the staff and the congregation are in harmony with each other and that we're doing effective ministry for the sake of the kingdom. And I came to them and I said, hey, listen, I'd like to take the nine of us and fly us out to Kansas and put us up for whatever it was, three nights, four nights, whatever it was, and to have us attend this event. And uh, what do you think about that? And so I just want to tell you that there are sometimes in a church like you raise those kinds of questions and people go, well, we'll take it back to the committee and for about six months we'll talk about it and we'll probably never get back to you about that. And, and then other groups would simply say, we're not even going to talk about that, that's just way too expensive. I just want to let you know that what the Staff Parish Committee said to me this past spring was, come back with a proposal because if it advances the kingdom of God, we'll, make a way to, we'll figure out a way to make it happen, which is sort of the attitude of this place. We're going to figure out a way to make it happen if it's going to advance the kingdom. And so you all sent us off last week, and I want you to know that from each of the program staff who are standing right now, uh, we're only representing a small, the rest are somewhere in the building doing ministry with our children and youth. Um, we, from the bottom of our heart, thank you for allowing us to go, for allowing us to be resourced and strengthened. We've come back with vitality. We've had a chance to hang out with each other, and for the most part, we still like each other. Maybe even a little bit more, actually, quite frankly. And we've come back uh, inspired that we know that we're moving in the right direction, but we've picked up some great ideas and some ways to help advance us even more to connect people to people and people to Christ. So thank you for sending us. We are humbled and grateful. I want you to know that. 
Thanks, guys. While we were there in Kansas, there were about 2,000 participants at this from all across the country in four different, uh, four different countries. And so during one of the breaks, um, I went and found Brian. I knew Brian was going to be there. Brian and I went to seminary together. We've been lifelong friends since then. He's my closest friend. He's the one who knows all the truth about me, and I know all the truth about him, and it's okay because I, I know it's in a good place. And uh, so I knew he was going to be there with some of his staff. We didn't plan on spending much time together, and we didn't. I think we had one lunch. But, but we were going to connect for a little bit, and it, and it was good to do so, because I went and found him. And he was talking at this table with somebody, and I came up and saw Brian. Brian got up and gave me a hug. I gave him a hug. And it was great. And then I realized who he was talking to. He was talking to Greg Waldrop. Greg Waldrop was also in seminary with us. I haven't seen Greg since 1980. You do the math. Uh, in our middle year, that would be 1978, ten of us got together and said, you know, we don't want to just live in apartments and go to seminary. We want to be in an intentional faith community. And so the ten of us got together and got a duplex, which rented five on this side and five on that side, and we entered into a time of being a spiritual community. It was our intent to try to be in relationship with each other in significant ways. And so we did that. And uh, we were a pretty eclectic group of people. Some of you heard me talk about this. It's called the Dexter Monkery, um, because we weren't quite a monastery. And we did a lot of monkeying around. Um, we were a pretty eclectic group, like I said. Some of us were former jocks. Some, of them, some were very intelligent. And, and I was just, you know, the guy who brought the curve down a bit. But anyway, so we got together, and, and we hung out a lot. And, and uh, some people in the seminary caught us the Animal House. But that, that's another story. Um, it was powerful. We, every morning, 7 o'clock, regardless of what was going on in your life, you were in devotion at 7 o'clock down in the room. Every night we had supper together, cooked by two of the guys in the group. And then some other nights we went out to Taco Bell after supper to get something to really eat. Every Thursday night we got together for a house meeting to talk about things, to connect with each other, to make sure things were going okay. After Mark and Mindy... We got together, and we would talk about just who's doing supper next week and that kind of stuff, down to the important issues. And I remember a couple of nights we were into it, man. We, I mean, we were at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. We were going at it because something was really just not right, and we were going to not go to bed until we got it right. Powerful experience. Greg Waldrop. Hadn't seen him since that experience. We looked up very much like we did back then. But we didn't even call each other out on that. We just, we just, man, he got up and gave me a hug. And, hey, great seeing you. And I was, you know, we're going to see each other later, right? Okay, because that's cool. We got the same we got to go to. And the days unfolded. And then um, on Friday morning, I'm walking through the lobby of the church. I mean, <laughs> when I say lobby of the church, I mean the size of this church lobby. And... Uh, over there in the edge, I saw Greg sitting in a chair. And I walked over to him, and he saw me, he pointed, and I pointed to him. I sat down with him, we started to catch up. You know how it is, you know, what are you doing? How many kids have you got? That kind of thing. Where are they? We didn't spend a lot of time talking about our churches, we just sort of connected. We had about ten minutes, and then we, plenary session was getting started. My staff was in there waiting for me to come sit with them. And so I said, well, i got to get going. They, you know, about ready to start. Cool. So we stood up, and Greg, who's as tall as I am, came over to me, just wrapped his arms around me. 
He just gave me a hug like you don't get very often. And he whispered in my ear, I think of you often with love. It's so good to see you. And then, he didn't let go. He held on for a few seconds longer. And then we left, and I turned, and I had about three to four minutes before I got to where my staff was to make it look like I wasn't crying. Because I hadn't seen Greg Waldrop since 1980. And he still loved me. And I still loved him. Because we had shared so much of our life in that time. We, man, we'd been bare bones honest with each other. We, taught, we won the intramural football league at Duke University against all of the fraternities, us seminary students, and we loved it. We loved it. They kept thinking, we're going to play a bunch of old preachers. They went and we kicked their butts, and it was great. And it was a bonding time. And we also prayed with each other, and we also wept with each other. And I remember before we left, we went to the spouse's funeral of one of our friends together. I mean, it was powerful. They were at my wedding, and I hadn't seen him since 1980, and he still loved me. And I was weeping. Because you don't have that connection all the time. Do you understand what I mean? That's what Jesus wanted the church to be. He wanted the church to be a place where people came together with some intentionality, not being casual, not being every once in a while, not fitting it into when the other things were going, weren't going on, but rather, he wanted people to come into an intimate relationship with him. Which is why he kept spending time with all of these different groups of people, bringing them together, teaching them, preaching them, not just hanging out with them for a few minutes. And that's where he got in trouble. He just wanted to be with people, but he wanted to connect them together. Jesus Christ came so that you would have an intimate relationship with God in knowing him, and that you would learn that to know that relationship, you had to be in an intentional relationship with each other. It wasn't just disciples, those 12. It was those 120 followers we now know that were following along behind the 12. And it wasn't just them. It was the 4,000 and then 5,000 he fed with a few loaves and fishes. He said, listen, after you're done eating, still hang together, be with each other, pray with each other, walk with each other, be honest with each other, connect with each other, love each other. what I want for you. One day they're walking along and what you don't know about the scripture that Steve just read to you is at the end of chapter 19 of Matthew, you can look it up if you want, the disciples are following along and Peter asks the question of Jesus, hey listen, we've been following you for quite a while now, I just want to ask a simple question, what's in it for us? What's it? Really, I, I just sort of like to know what's in it for us. We're following you and and most of it's really good. Some of it's a little staticky. We've got some challenges going on. What's in it for us? It's a pretty honest question, isn't it? I mean, in some ways and somehow at some level within your life, you're here in the building today and you're, hey, what's in this for me today? I mean, I could have been somewhere else. I could have been waiting for the Lions game to come on. 
You might as well have been here. What's in it for us? So Peter asks, and to that Jesus tells a story. It's a great story. He says, listen, once there was a vineyard owner. And uh, it was harvest time, and he needed folks to work in the vineyard. And so, typical to that day, there were laborers down at the marketplace in the middle of town waiting to get picked up for work. And they would wait there, and normally vineyard owners would send their manager to go find the workers. You, and you, and you, come with me. And then the rest would wait for someone else to come along, hoping somebody would pick them. Why were they hoping? Because there was not any other option to take care of their family but to get picked into work. In other words, if they weren't, their family ate. If they didn't get picked, their family didn't eat. I mean, it's that basic. But in this story, it's not the manager who goes to pick out the laborers. It's the vineyard owner himself. He wants no middleman. He wants to go. So he goes. And he looks the first one in the eye and says, You, come work for me. 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 6 a.m. And for those who got called at 6 a.m., immediately, you know the relief they felt? Because they knew in that moment their family was eating that night. They knew it was going to be a long day, a, a hard day. I mean, it's hard work, but it's okay because we're going to eat because I got picked. And you're in there picking. And then they see the vineyard owner leave, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning. He goes back into the village, and he still sees some laborers hanging around. They haven't been picked by anybody. They're sort of the leftovers. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he says, listen, I'll take a few more of you. So I'll take you, and I'll take you, and I'll take you. Come on. And so they hop on, and they go, and they're working. Now, they're not going to work as long of a day, but they're working, and they're glad because their family's going to eat. Maybe not as much as the ones that got to get sick, but okay, fine, whatever. And this happens throughout the day. At noon, he goes back, picks more. They're going to work half a day. It's better than nothing. At three, he goes back. I'm going to take you now. You only got three hours, but come on. And he goes back at five o'clock in the afternoon. He says, I'm going to take you. For an hour. All working in the vineyard. You know what's happening, right? Guy's been working there all day saying, man, it's been a tough day. But we're sort of the lead dog since we've been here all day. We got seniority. I once got picked at the last day going, well, it's not much, but at least I won't go home to my family completely empty-handed. And then it's the end of the day. And now we know the owner has a manager because he calls them over. Now you do this for me. Pay the wages. Start with the ones who got here at 5 o'clock. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Pay them a full day's wage. What? Yeah. Full day's wage. 5 o'clock. They worked for an hour. They got up. Can you imagine what they felt? They had worked for an hour, and they received a full day's wage. What do you think they felt when that happened? Seriously, what do you, what do you think? Grateful. Amazed. Shocked. Excited. Yeah. I mean, they're blown away. They're going home. Their family's going to eat a full meal that night. Their kids are going to be able to go to bed not being hungry. They worked one hour. 
Those watching who've been there since 6 in the morning, what do you think they felt when they saw that? Well, maybe they were excited if they got that much. <laughs> Look what we're going to get. Overtime. They come up and they get paid a full day's wage. The same as the others who'd only been there an hour. Do you see the injustice in that? Would that make you upset? Oh, come on, you know. Okay, I know we're in church and everything, but let's give it up. You're not going to be happy. What do you mean? I mean, we bore all the work. They're here for an hour. They're going to get the same as we got. What's that about? See how quickly they left their joy in the morning at being picked? No, they're going to have a day's wage for their family. And now, wait a minute, I ain't right. And in the story, the vineyard owner, that is God, says, wait a minute. Are you mad at me because of my generosity? You're upset with me because I'm letting them get the same? Don't you know that I picked you? I called you by name. Six, nine, twelve, three, five, doesn't matter. I called you by name. You get the same amount. Because that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. God sees it differently than you and I do. I know how easy it is for a pecking order to start, for a seniority to be lorded over you. I've seen it happen, even in the church. I'm going to leave preaching, I'm going to meddle a little bit. Stay with me. I've been in churches where those who've been there the longest, the generational families, those who've been in charge of that committee, since before three pastors ago. They're the ones who set the tone. Or they're, the tone. They're the ones who make the decisions. Why? Seniority. My first church, UMW did a roast beef dinner every month. It was on a Tuesday afternoon, but you got to understand this is a rural community. The place was packed. People came from miles to eat Maud Spence's roast beef and mashed potatoes. Oh, my God. Mm. And here's the thing, though. We all knew there was a pecking order. Maud was in charge. Let me be clear. Maud was in charge. And I love Maud Spence, but she was in charge. If you are a new person in the church, she'd love to have you come. The women would love to have you come. You know what you can do? You can set the table. Just don't come in the kitchen. Because this is our turf. And, uh, you know, if you're there about 20 years, you can start to do wash the dishes. You understand? I mean, I get it. It's easy for that to happen. It's easy to think that this is my place. This is, you know, about me and I'm getting my stuff out of it. I get that. It's easy to have happen. But Jesus is saying by telling this parable to Peter, what's in it for me? What's in it for you? You're called by name. You get to be in a relationship with 
all the rest of these folks for the longest period of time because you're getting started now. You get to be blessed by being in relationship with God. You get to be the one who gets to see God at work in your life for that length and period of time. You get to see the Word of God expanded and reach out to others. You get the front row seat to see all that happen. That's what's in it for you. And guess what? When new people come, guess what? They get the same thing too. What what happens is, in the kingdom of God, we begin to understand that how long you're there is not as important as the fact that God has called you and welcomed you. You're all equally here. And whether you've been here 50 years or 35 minutes, you get the same thing. You get grace. You get forgiveness. You get hope. You get equality in this place because we don't measure seniority because when you're coming up in front of eternal God, you know your seniority doesn't measure so much. In the kingdom of God, you all get blessed. Guess what? I pray I'm in a place, I'm praying in front of a God where everybody gets equal measure. Everybody gets grace. Everybody gets forgiveness. Everybody gets hope. Everybody has the opportunity today to know not only that God loves you because you already know that, but you get to know the depth of how much God loves you. You get to know that God knows everything about you, wants to go deep inside you and hold it. And it's okay. And care for you and love you into a new place and a new day. This is a place where the economics of the world don't measure up. Because this is the vineyard. And I don't care what other day it is. Once you get here, you get it all. Because all of you are invited to connect equally. Which is why it's critical that you connect with each other. Justin Bieber. Praise Jesus. Justin Bieber is talking about Jesus, Paul. I never thought I'd see the day. He came out, what, a week or two ago? He was all about saying, you know, I think Jesus is the way to live. And I know Jesus felt great to be validated by the Biebs. And I'm glad, I'm glad. No, I really am. I'm not making fun. I'm glad. But I hope what Biebs understands is this. It's not about having a good role model. Jesus is the right way to live. Yes, he is. But it's not a solo walk. We do it together. We do it because you are going to be my brother helping me learn how to walk this walk. You're going to carry me when I can't walk myself. And I'm going to carry you when you can. Because that's what we are. We are vitally connecting people to people and people to God. Not because it's our vision statement that was created in 2002. We're doing it because it's what Jesus said in the parable of the vineyard. Come to the table. Come to this table where the body of blood, body of Christ and the blood of Christ are offered, where grace is offered uniquely. Come all, come one, everyone. You all get the same measure. Everyone. 
and be fed and washed in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Let us worship.